disclaimer, just so people know, if you don't specifically ask to be tested for herpes, either type, then it's not included in your, you know, panel when you say test me for everything. So just something to keep in mind is to make sure that you're advocating for yourself when you are at your doctor's to really show up for yourself and be like, hey, I want to get tested for this. And you're probably going to get some back pull where they're going to say, well, you don't have any symptoms. Like, why would we test you for that? Hello, and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Each week, my guests and I share our vulnerable behind the scenes stories of giving ourselves permission to take off our masks, let go of our expectations, and embrace our own path of freedom and authentic connection. I'm your host, Bianca Hughes, a lover of authenticity and a licensed professional counselor in Georgia. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Authentic Wednesday podcast. As always, thank you for joining me and taking the time to listen to the podcast. So this is part two of the conversation on living with gentle herpes. I spoke last week and shared my story and now I have a guest who is sharing their story and also how they're helping others with a diagnosis of gentle herpes. My guest today is Stephanie Boyd. She's a life coach specializing in helping women with herpes release the guilt of their diagnosis and reclaim their confidence. She's a certified firewalker, has a master's in administration of human services and a bachelor's in behavioral sciences with certifications in child advocacy and conflict resolution. Fun facts, she can break arrows with her throat and she loves childlike activities. So let's go ahead and get into the conversation. So hello, Stephanie, and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. I'm so excited to have you on part two of a great topic that we're talking about. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. And thank you so much for having me. Okay. So last week, I shared my story, uh, my own personal story of gentle herpes. And Stephanie has been sharing hers for a while now with the world. And so she's also a life coach in that area, helping other women. Um, And so I really wanted to talk to her about her personal journey and then just how she's helping other women. And like I said, it's always good to have people who have been where you are. And so you're not alone and we can do this journey together. Right, Stephanie? 100% community is so so important yeah so my favorite question I always like to ask my guests because I definitely believe you are this is how do you define authenticity I define authenticity with just being scared to do something but still doing it anyway because we all at the end of the day have so many fears but it's not listening to those voices in our heads or the voices from those around us and still stepping into what we know as our own truth. Mm. Have you always been authentic? I believe that in some areas of my life, I truly was my authentic self, but then there have been other times, and especially right now, my eyes are being opened up even more to other times where I wasn't my authentic self. So I think for me... Um, I struggled with certain groups of friends showing up as my authentic self. So I guess, Mm. no, 
answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so how did you feel you were showing up? What do you feel like that was, what was the mask that you was wearing in certain groups of friends? I think the mask that I was wearing was a mask of fear of rejection. I really didn't want to make any waves because I've always had so many different viewpoints of things. I've never been like black or white on anything. So being able to show up as my authentic self, it just like had me super scared. So I was like, oh, it's just better for me not to ruffle the waves and just sit back and let them think whatever they want to think. When in reality, inside, I was like, oh, like, why didn't I just speak up? <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah. So do you find like you're able to come overcome that a bit more in terms of speaking up? Yes, it has definitely been a journey for me. Um, I have been working on it so much more because um, it's something that is important to me to show up as my authentic self, to release all of the masks that we all carry around or have on every single day. And so I think that by shedding different parts of my past, whether it be friends, family members, coworkers that no longer serve me, has helped me be able to step into my voice more and speak my authentic truth. Yeah. One of the big ones is definitely, for me, from my perspective, <laughs> is um, sharing your story of gentle herpes. And I just want to know, where did that courage come from to share your story literally with the world? <laughs> yeah. Great question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Can I take it back now? <laughs> just kidding. Um, you know... I really struggled with emotional and binge eating for a long time and still do at some points in my life. And I started to work with a coach uh, surrounding that. And then I thought like, okay, I definitely want to be a coach. I didn't know like what that looked like. I was just like, this is what I'm meant to be doing. Um, so through healing different parts of myself through that journey, it just became like more and more apparent in my life that like people needed me to talk about this. And I never thought that I would. Um, I was like, I personally wanted to think about it less. So I like was constantly trying not to think about it, which as we know, when we're trying not to think about something, we think about it more. Absolutely. So I was constantly having, um, Constantly having outbreaks for, I think, like the first two and a half years, I had an outbreak every single month. Um, and then I was just like, I had, I was out in California in October, and two girls had came up to me and told me their experience is about um, their interactions with herpes, one having it. And I was just like, oh my goodness, like this is right in front of me, and I need to address this stigma that's going on in the world. Wow. So just <laughs> October last year is when you shared mm -hmm. it with the world. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what, what was yeah. going through your head like when you shared your first post? <laughs> so obviously fear. I mean, I had told some friends who I know had told some other people, um, being a, a bartender at the time in a semi-small town, people talked a lot, you know? Mm. So that was my main concern. I was like, oh, 
what if she finds out and then she tells her and then it's like this big ripple effect of like people knowing my business. And same thing with guys. I was scared that if I disclosed to one guy, then he would tell another guy. And then I'm like, great, I'm never going to get late again. So it was really fearful for me. And then I just realized, you know what, like I have dealt with so much other painful and fearful things in my life that people have no idea half the things that I've been through because I've always been like the, it's all good. Like, Mm. or the, I don't give, I don't care attitude, which I'm so far from the, I don't care attitude anymore. Um, so yeah, I was, I was scared. I think the worst, um, part for me was the guy that I was dating at the time. I didn't want him to get ridicule or judgment or things of that nature. But I was lucky, like he was super supportive um, around it. You know, he was like, please share it. Like people need to hear that stuff. So yeah. Wow. And so (laughs) do you have any regrets? Um, I don't really have any regrets surrounding it because I know how many lives it has impacted by just me being able to speak my truth. Um, so no, I don't, if anything, it's like a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. Yeah. I don't have to hide behind this mask as well. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of been reading a bit, um, just about you and how you kind of discovered. So can you tell us a bit about how you first discovered and yeah, what that initial response was when you found out you had gentle herpes? Yeah, of course. Um, Thank you for asking. So when I first found out, I don't believe that was my first um, experience with it. So I believe that I truly had different, what are they called? Symptoms. There we go. The symptoms that Mm -hmm. were leading up to it. I was constantly having sore throats like every month. So I was at the doctors all the time, like thinking I had tonsillitis or strep throat. I had super bad lower back pain at one point, but I was like, maybe it's because I'm a bartender. and so, or maybe because my core isn't tight enough, like I had no idea. I never thought, oh, this would be herpes. And so I went to a, a personal trainer to like just tighten my core. So I'm like, I don't freaking know. And then I actually went to get my annual checkup at the doctor's and my blood work or the swab came back that I had chlamydia. And through that, Um, I believe that my immune system obviously was trying to fight off this virus, which at that time I was like, oh, it's only chlamydia. Like we can get rid of this. It's okay. Still not proud of myself, you know, like I was like, Mm -hmm. like, where did this even come from? I had no idea. I had to text a couple guys and be like, hey, go get tested. Like I have, I don't know. And then I believe a few days later, I woke up with what looked like a um, scratch mark on my left butt cheek. And I kept my eye on it because like it was a little tingly, a little itchy. And I was like, oh, you know, like when we wake up sometimes like parts of our body itch. Like, did I think that was going to turn into herpes? Exactly. (laughs) Right? Um, So again, I kept my eye on it because I was like, that doesn't, that wasn't like a normal thing for me. And um as the day progressed, I started noticing it get a little bit bigger and then it formed blisters. Um, and I actually made a doctor's appointment anyway, because I thought at that still in denial, still not like, oh, this is herpes or anything of that nature. I'm like, it's a spider bite. <laughs> it turned into a spider bite. So I'm like, either way, spider bite, anything else, it needs to get checked and I need to like 
figure out what this is. So went to the doctor, the doctor swabbed me. And when I pulled down my pants, she obviously was like, this looks like herpes. Um, and I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you like me? Herpes? Yeah. I don't understand. So yeah. And then I just started bawling my eyes out. I started to drink a lot more. I started to eat more <laughs> for my emotions. Um, yeah. During that time, I was going through other avenues in my life too. So it was a very stressful um, time in general for me. I had just quit my job after 11 and a half years, went to a new restaurant, you know, just like so many things. And then this happened. So, yeah. Wow. That's a lot, you know, because of the stigma and the misinformation um, about gentle herpes. If you don't, I feel like if you don't get educated, that it can really, really kind of bring you down a lot as well as realizing, oh my God, I got this for the rest of my life. Did you, um, I heard that, you know, with the chlamydia, you text a couple of guys, you didn't know where you got that from. What about the situation with the gentle herpes? Were you able to identify where that came from? Because I'm thinking that, oh my God, I can't identify. Oh my God, shame, slut, all of these things that are just going on. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, 100%. So after the chlamydia, I it was four guys that I had to text um, with all transparency here. That's what I'm all about is being transparent, if you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was four guys. And at that time, I didn't know that I had the herpes. So I chose to not say anything right away about that because I was like, well, I did my job. I told them to get tested, you know, like, and disclaimer, just so people know, if you don't specifically ask to be tested for herpes, either type, then it's not included in your you know, panel when you say test me for everything. So just something to keep in mind is to make sure that you're advocating for yourself when you are at your doctor's to really show up for yourself and be like, hey, I want to get tested for this. And you're probably going to get some back pull where they're going to say, well, you don't have any symptoms. Like, why would we test you for that? Because of the rates being so high with this virus, this is the reason why they're not going to want to test you. They don't want to have to deal with that insurance claim or anything like that. If it's something that you want, know that you can get another doctor, you can get a second opinion or speak up and ask for that for sure. So just something to keep in mind because a lot of people don't know that and it drives me crazy. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, Um, I didn't know. I discovered that myself too. Thank you that you had to ask. It wasn't a standard test. Mm -hmm. I thought it was. I mean, I'm at the, you know, every year like, hey, test me, test me for everything, right? Like, what the hell? Everything means everything. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. Um, Back to the guys. I then took some time because one of the guys that I had to text had a girlfriend. So that was great. (laughs) And I ended up messaging the girl, actually. I don't think I've ever told this story either. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That always happens on here. It's okay. (laughs) I'm like, wait, (laughs) my mask on. (laughs) So I ended up texting her or messaging her on Facebook. She was not happy obviously she's like you're a slut I'm like look I'm just telling you because like you should get tested like I don't know I don't know so then another guy that I had to message he me and him had been in like on and off 
for like 15 years Mm -hmm. and it was just very emotionally abusive. So I didn't know how, what I wanted to do. Cause that was like, if I told him, I knew he was going to be like, Oh, I'm never going to want to sleep with you again. Mm. And obviously I did tell him. And then that's what he told me. And the lie detector determined that was a lie because he did in fact sleep with me again. So just know that like men are manipulative in this way. And this is a pattern that they will run. So Finally, I was like, okay, that's enough. And I moved across the country to get away from that situation. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it was, I forget if I'm still talking about the question, but okay. <laughs> You're fine. I to tell them. And because I didn't want to lose the chances of me having them as partners again, even mm. though they weren't serving me to begin with. So did you, I know I did this. I, cause just, you know, you guys will hear, you know, I've heard that I, it was just a long process for me to actually accept a few years and stuff. And so I sat with people and didn't tell them and yeah, that's a no, no. But did you do that? I did. And thank you so much for sharing that with your audience and giving people a safe space to know that like this happens a lot and we as individuals with herpes yes we do know that it is our responsibility to speak up however literally 90% of the population has one of the two types and people aren't speaking up every day people are like oh well it's just a cold sore well your cold sore can transfer to genitals and transfer to other areas of people's bodies so you know i i did do that and it doesn't feel good, right? Like I've gotten backlash in support groups when I've mentioned that. And I know a lot of people don't speak up in these groups because they they see the backlash that others are getting. So yes, I did do that. And I've forgiven myself mm-hmm. for doing that. But I also know that like, it's both parties responsibility to speak up about anything that they're concerned about. So if somebody I'm going to sleep with, if they're concerned about catching an STD, they should be asking questions as well. Yes, I should speak up because I have something. However, both people need to be adults and communicating about this. Let Yeah, let's talk about that because that's so key. So as a therapist, I've worked in a hospital and it's a mental health hospital, right? It's not a regular hospital. And I saw so many different diagnoses that were sexually transmitted diseases. And I remember having a conversation with my friend and I was like, look, because I'm actually um, abstinent. And I said, "Um, look, make sure, and anyone I knew was having sex, especially because it's very high here in Atlanta, I was like, make sure you're getting tested and that you require them to get tested because there's a lot of stuff going on. And I think also from my perspective that if I have done it and not disclose that someone else is doing it, so you need to ask for your safety. And they're like, what are you serious? And I was like, yes, I'm very, very serious. Like I'm not joking because we need to also be responsible. Just like I agree, like you disclose, but the other person needs to ask and needs to kind of, take care because I'm you know I kind of say to people like well are you going to leave it in the hands of you know if you're casually having sex are you going to leave it in the hands of complete stranger of your life just to trust them that doesn't make any sense so and I know for a fact that there's people out there that are having sex and not disclosing like it's very 
common. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with all of that. And people people don't want to have those conversations because they're uncomfortable. It's not because they can't ask those questions, right? It's simply mm-hmm. because, okay, what happens if you do ask those questions? And then what are you going to do if the person does say, I have herpes? Then what? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. you got to think like about all this because then you're going to be working with another part of like, they're going to fear like they're being rejected. Like, mm-hmm. so there's so many different layers that play a part in mm-hmm. why people don't like this society doesn't even bother with asking questions before they're hopping into bed with people. And I can attest to this surely because I've been that girl where I'm just like, Oh, like it's all good. Meanwhile, like Joe Schmo's over here sleeping with three other girls in the same town and they're over here making fun of me because I've got herpes, but they still haven't been tested even though we slept with the same guy. Mm. (laughs) Can you share why it's so important to disclose if you're not having an outbreak? Yeah, of course. I just think that it's so important for us to disclose because it creates that layer of trust with the other human being. And you're giving that person the choice to be involved in this situation. Because I think when we are strict to that choice in general, that's when the real turmoil inside of ourselves starts to starts to happen. You know, like you were talking about earlier. And now I remember the question, like, did I struggle with the who, what, when, where, and why? And did I ever figure out, like, who gave it to me? I was constantly searching. I was like, I think it was you. Oh, let, I slept with you on this date. Oh, 10 to 14 days after, like, you get an outbreak. You know, I don't know why. I'm using my fingers. People can't see me, but... <laughs> <laughs> that's what's made me so much stronger in that what made you take your power back decide to you know you know what I'm not gonna hide anymore I'm gonna disclose to guys and you know if they reject me they reject me and if not reject me but if they I don't want to say reject if they make a decision not to be with me then that's their choice um because they still do have a choice so what made you decide to take that power back Yeah, for sure. So I think there were, I want to say three guys that I slept with and didn't tell. And then the third guy that I did that with, I ended up telling afterwards. That doesn't feel good. Just so people know, that is not fun. (laughs) But I also approached that same situation with Zach and let him know that like, hey, you should have also asked me. And chances of you sleeping with somebody that already had it were extremely high. So if you do have it, which I don't think he ever did get it, like we use condoms, even though you don't have to 
you can still get it without condoms. So I felt like shit <laughs> after <laughs> telling him. And then he started treating me like a, like not nice at all. And I understood why, you know, because that that breaks that trust in that moment when you're in that foundation of like, we just started hanging out, talking, dating. It wasn't like years of friendship beforehand. And then I actually met another guy who we had been sexting for a little bit. And I was like, I just can't sleep with somebody else without telling them first. So it was like in that moment, um, I told him and I was just like, hey, like before things go any further with this sexting situation, like let's have this conversation about this because I'm getting all hot and bothered here. And the next time I see you, I'm going to, you know, want to get it on. <laughs> so Exactly. Exactly. What was his response that first time you actually told someone? Yeah. So he was so like thankful and so respectful that I told him, he was like, wow, like I've never had somebody just like <laughs> be so honest and vulnerable with me. And he was like, I, I want to take a little bit of time to do some research for myself, which I do want to say like, this probably isn't the normal outcome that many women <laughs> will see, but it, it's also in how you're handling yourself and handling the situation and the words that you're using to communicate with the other person to let them know like either way, whether they want to take the chance and still be with you or they don't want to, that you're okay. It's going to be okay either way. Like it's a blessing in disguise, right? So. Yeah, he did some research and realized how um, everybody freaking has it and was like, okay. So it's actually interesting because we still uh, communicate. And he had told me at one time that a couple of guys that he worked with had told him, well, I hope the next girl that you date doesn't wake up with a spider bite on her butt because that was like the first post that like I said coming out and come to find out they have it themselves. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just keep, just keep that in mind when people are throwing stones at you that you never know what fears and insecurities they're facing. When we're throwing stones at other people and making other people feel a certain type of way for anything in life, not just with herpes, it's like, okay, how hurt are those people that are throwing these stones? Yeah. And wow. like, meet, them with, meet them with the compassion rather than like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like how dare mm-hmm. them, right? Like, I mean, trust me, my, I was hurt when, when I heard that they said that. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. And I'm so glad he did that. And I, and I agree with you. And we can talk a bit more about that. You're often not telling and seeing the devastation and the hurt I cause. Like, I think that's probably one of the biggest things I've ever done. And actually, there were other people that I sort of didn't told and I told them after and they were actually okay. And so it really does depend on the person. It depends on how you tell them. I definitely, I'm always talking about education, like even with my own clients. You know, if you have depression or anxiety, you need to educate yourself. Um, So you could be prepared to tell other people. But there are people out there that are okay with it. And um I think a lot of people hide because of the fear of rejection and all this stigma. But, you know, giving people a choice, they tend to be a bit more welcoming when you actually share. Would you not agree with that? Yeah, I definitely think that when you remove any mask, 
the people that are meant to be around you and, you know, are able to take some of your energy, like they are going to accept you for who you are, right? Like if somebody is saying to you, like, shameful for you, like you just told me you had herpes, I would take a step back and question, do I even want this person in my life? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like I'm not here to to convince you that I'm still worthy of you being in my life because I have herpes now. So regardless, like respecting our own boundaries and figuring out what's important to us Mm -hmm. before going in and telling people, but like everybody that I've, I mean, like she said, I'm public about this. (laughs) (laughs) I know some people at first were text messaging friends behind my back. Like, can you believe what she just put out there? Like, Oh my God, this Mm. and that, right? Like, I knew that people were going to be having group thread text messages about what I put out on the internet, but I didn't care because I knew somebody else needed to hear that I have this too and that they're not alone. Love that. Yeah. That's all what this podcast is about. You're not alone. Uh, Do you feel like it's changed the way you view sex or have sex for you? I definitely think that it's, changed the way that I view it. I am much more, um, I don't want people to touch my body unless like we are deeply connected energetically and spiritually. Um, so that is a huge transformation for me. Whereas before, like I, I would probably be on Bumble or Tinder, like since I've been single and like being like, Oh, who can I hook up with? Right. But like, I don't want to just give my body away because I can. Um, But no, it has not changed the way that I have sex. I think that that I don't want to live my life in fear. And when we communicate to our partner that we're going to be intimate with, that they are, um, could possibly get this virus, that is really the only thing that we can control in that situation. And knowing that they're taking that chance and that making that choice to still sleep with you, why am I going to let that ruin like such a beautiful thing that I enjoy doing when they, they said they're okay with it, right? Yeah, exactly. Do you find that um, with the clients that you work with and perhaps in the groups that People are, I guess this is a question because some people feel like, well, if I disclose, that means I can no longer have casual sex. What's the truth about that? I truly believe that that is each individual person's, you know, choice. If you want to have casual sex with somebody, as long as you are telling them about your diagnosis beforehand, that's all, that's all that matters. But also keeping in mind that they could have something and be a silent carrier as well. So like if you're still okay with taking the the quote unquote risk of sleeping with somebody and catching something else, that's just something to keep in mind, right? But like it doesn't have to stop you from having casual sex. There's also like positive singles dating apps and, you know, being in these communities where you can meet somebody else that has the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. But just know that just because somebody else shares a diagnosis with you doesn't mean that they don't have other traumas that they haven't worked through and that that's going to be the person for you. (laughs) Oh, I love that. So where does a person stop after diagnosis? Once you've realized, like now you're working with these women, like where do I stop? Mm -hmm. 
So I think that it takes um, a woman and men too um, a little bit of time to go through that emotional roller coaster and figure out like, okay, am I okay? What does this look like? What does this look like? But what I see a lot inside of uh, the groups that I'm in are people that are searching for more of like the quick fixes to like getting rid of their diagnosis so they don't have to think about it and trying to like put the mask over it so it just makes them more comfortable. So I, I truly believe that we get diagnosed with herpes to bring out um, more things that we need to heal internally. And when uh, we're constantly trying to shove, you know, like the livine down our throat or the antivirals or the lemon balm or this and that, that we're doing ourselves a disservice and we're going to be making the process longer for ourselves when if we can just accept it. And then work with the emotions that we're feeling and absorb them and feel safe inside of them. That's going to make such a difference in people's lives. That's good. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Acceptance. I'm big on acceptance. (laughs) It sucks. It's not easy, but it's part of the process. And I love what you said that almost is like herpes is a way to look deeper inside of yourself. It's an opportunity for you to dig a bit deeper. That's, that's interesting. So what are some of the challenges that you have faced or still face and you've heard other people facing? I think some of the challenges I face still are the moments that I get little tingles because I'm not on the antivirals anymore. Okay. I of them in January just to see how my body reacted to being off of them. Uh, like I said, for the first two and a half years, I had an outbreak every month and then I, I didn't have one for like six months. So I was like, okay, I'm feeling feeling better about this. Like, let me try to get off these. Um, so like when I have tingles or I'm feeling more stressed, I'm like, am I going to have an outbreak? Mm-hmm. But then I remind myself in those moments that if I do have an outbreak, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean I did anything wrong. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I'm dirty. That doesn't mean that I'm a slut. I think that what happens is when we do have outbreaks and we... It it's us to remember the first time that we got diagnosed, right? Like we can like vision it in our head, like, oh, great, here we go again. Like, and all these thoughts come through us. And it's just like, (laughs) I don't want to deal with that. (laughs) So I I struggle with that. Yeah. I can relate to that because I hadn't had, I've had it for, I don't know, years, like maybe 18 years or so, but I, um, hadn't had an outbreak for a long time and I had one recently um a few months ago but I had a lot going on I had anxiety um I was experiencing some depression I had a lot and it's so interesting that you say that that it definitely brought me back and I was like oh I forgot about you like why are you here because I don't take any um antivirals either I do have them if I feel like I'm about to but I don't take them all the time And I was like, why are you here? Like, I really forgot about you. Like, I just, I think it was so long and I just forgot. And, um, you know, it'd be reminded every once and again, but I just forgot. And so I think that's very true. What are some of the worst case scenarios that you're seeing in regards to the other challenges that you're hearing in the groups or with your clients? Yeah, I think that the worst thing is the people that, start to feel so low that they have thought about ending their own lives. Um, I do get some messages in my DMs, as we were talking about before we started recording, Mm. 
um, with people saying like, I'm thinking about harming myself. And I want people to know, like, you're not alone. Like, please feel free to reach out. I'm not a mental health professional, so I cannot guide you in that way, but we can get you in touch with the suicide hotline and things of that nature. Um, there's also another gentleman um, in the herpes community that um, does deal with these types of cases. So I think it's just so, so important for us to just know, like, everybody's case is so different. So I see that a lot, like people needing external validation. This is normal for me. And, and what's normal for me may not be normal mm-hmm. for you. Like we're mm-hmm. all reacting differently to this virus. So figuring it out, like what are your own triggers? What is causing you to be so stressed? How can we take a deeper look at what needs to be healed and brought up inside of your own system rather mm-hmm. than what everybody else is doing and how they're trying to shove it under the rug. Mm. So taking that personal approach to what's going on with you and not trying to look at everybody else in that sense. When we're seeking for everybody else, it's like that's where we're finding our sense of safety because we're getting that external validation. Like this is normal. It's going to be okay. And while that's great to have that community, it's also like, are you giving yourself that same validation internally to know that like you are okay. Mm. So it's funny you say that because um, I love this quote you said recently. If you're constantly trying to prove yourself, you've already lost your value. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't get more plain and simple than that. Right? <laughs> yeah. I love that. I was like, yes, I need to like, <laughs> to make like a poster on that. Like, Is that, um, and I would think because of the experience of rejection and I, you know, I specialize in the perfectionism. So rejection and shame is huge. And I would think that that's a big thing. Like trying to get people to see their value is a big part of the work you do because there's so much shame and so much rejection involved in um, this whole, and not that rejection from other people, but rejection of self when they have the herpes. Would you say that? Would you? Yeah, 100%. Figuring out what the root cause of where these fears of rejection happened and how we can start working with these different parts of us to build a better internal relationship rather than seeking external validations all the time. Because as I'm sure you know, you know, we get our basic memories from the ages of zero to seven. So during those years, there was a time in everybody's lives that we have all felt the fear of rejection, the fear of all these things, right? So it's rewinding ourselves and figuring out, okay, where did I first feel that fear of rejection? And how can I give that part of myself even more love and compassion in this moment? Start working with that part of ourselves, and then, you know, integrate her into who we are today. Mm, I love that. And it's still a journey for you, I would think. It's not like you've here, you've told the world and you've arrived. Would you say that? <laughs> I've arrived. I've arrived. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. There's no more <laughs> I have gotten my crown. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it is it. 
ever long journey for each individual. It is not like, oh, we work together for three months, six months, a year, five years, six years, and then all of a sudden your fear of rejection goes away. It's going to maybe diminish, you know, and it's not going to show up as much. But we we have to realize that things stay with us forever. We just learn to work with them rather than letting them run our lives. And when yeah. I say them, I just mean like the voices in our head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. So, um, gosh, this has been such this is such good stuff. Like I can talk to you forever, but um, <laughs> we'll have to do another one. <laughs> I know. So what do you want to tell people, our listeners, especially because we have the listeners who have the diagnosis and then the listeners who don't have the diagnosis and might encounter someone or they're not aware they have a diagnosis. What would you say to those you know, groups of people? Yeah, so to the one group of people who don't have or don't know that they have the diagnosis um, and if you're curious if you do, go get tested. Ask. If you have it, you have it. If you don't have it, get tested again. You might at some point have it. A lot of people when they're 50 or older end up getting one of the types. I don't know if people know, but there's actually 100 types of herpes, but only eight types that humans can actually get. I'm not going to go into all the different types because that's just not my forte. But if you're interested in them, go ahead and Google them. Shingles is a form of herpes. A lot of older people get shingles. So just know, like, if you're out here shaming people for having a diagnosis, know that at some point it's probably going to come out on you, and then that's not going to feel good inside. And then for those who have it and maybe are still fearing that rejection or still um, struggling with accepting it, I want to send you love and let you know that you aren't alone on this journey. There's so many resources out there for you to. connect with. I have a support group if you want to join that. Um, and and really just sharing your story with people that provide a safe space for you is going to be huge on your healing journey. Cool. Thank you. And what are some of those resources? What are some of those resources do you suggest for people to get started with um, if they have a diagnosis or if someone's even with someone who has a diagnosis and they don't, what what do you suggest? Yeah, so I give people usually two websites. Um, I usually tell people to go to like projectaccept.org. And I, I tell them these two websites because a lot of people at first, they want the information. They want to know how many people have it, the statistics, the this. So I'm like, okay, great. This is what you want. Go ahead and figure this out. When you realize that, oh, it's not all about the numbers, that's when we'll talk because that's when we need to work on the emotions. So projectaccept.org and then askingforafriend.us. And his name is Rich. He actually has a book as well. I guess I'm promoting him right now, but that's fine. (laughs) Um, And he has a bunch of different articles on there. He has more of like a scientific approach to it. So again, I think a lot of people find that helpful when they are first diagnosed. And then if they are willing to, you know, start to figure out the root cause and want to start working through some of their own traumas, I have um, one-to-one coaching spots. I offer group coaching programs. There's also other people in the community that offer plenty of resources to just help you feel confident in your diagnosis. Oh, thank you. I love that. These websites, I'll probably check them out. So how can we connect with you and, you know, shower you with love? Yeah, so you can find me on Facebook. It's Stephanie Lynn Boyd. 
but I have a website, www.stephanieboydcoaching.com, Instagram. I'm all over the place, really. <laughs> you should be able to find me. <laughs> You'll come up. That's good. You got good SEO. You got good SEO. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It is a pleasure. And I'm sure people are going to be sending you messages and just being so open and so free and just willing to help other people. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. That was such a good conversation. I'm glad you guys got to hear Stephanie's journey and also the things that she is helping other women and other people in regards to accepting and working through your diagnosis of gentle herpes. I think it's a much needed conversation, a continued conversation to break down the stigma and to really just ensure that you are being informed, that you have the correct information and you're not just going by what other people have told you or what you have heard. We also heard about the different ups and, and the different downs that you can experience from her story and also from my story last week. So as always, I really want you to share this episode. Now, you will know that not a lot of people know about their diagnosis or want to share or want to be open or honest. So just share it. Just share it. Just share it on your Instagram, share it on your social feed or in your groups and have these conversations so we can begin to break the stigma around gentle herpes, get really informed and so we can protect ourselves and just be informed and make good healthy choices. Tag us if you loved it and your comments and feedback on the social media on the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Please don't forget to rate and review. Thank you so much. If you connected with what you just heard, please subscribe, rate and review the podcast. You can stay connected by following our Instagram, Authentic Wednesday Podcast and visiting our website, AuthenticWednesday.com. Remember, authenticity is a journey, not a destination.